So Ariel, you are currently the co-founder and CEO of Augment. This is augment.org. The key thing and for me was like entrepreneurship. Uh, and I, I had too many ideas. I could not focus. I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do. So that was like a very, very challenging time. An interesting story uh, to start this company from outside the US, bring all those top US founders to Paris. What founders are really fighting against is yeah. indifference. Like an average person on the street cannot get the founder of Shazam, but you had a powerful magnetic mission, you know? And so seeing this disconnect between traditional business education, expensive, super exclusive, and the wide range of content that was available and of high quality mm -hmm. on the internet, that was like, okay, I need to bring those top founders and co-create courses with them. Hey everybody, welcome to the Build in Public podcast. I'm your host, KP, and on this show, I interview world-class entrepreneurs, ambitious startup founders, creators, and builders on the internet who are boldly building the future in public. This podcast is my excuse to take you all on a curious journey to understand, learn, and hopefully be inspired by the worldviews, insights, and stories of these fabulous people changing the world. So far, I've gotten the rare privilege to sit down with incredible guests like Gary Vee, Alexis Ohanian, Kat Cole, Sahil Levingia, and many more leaders. So check out the full podcast listing at buildingpublicpodcast.com. Now buckle up and get ready for our latest episode. All right. Welcome to the Building Public Podcast, Ariel. Thank you for accepting my invite and being on the show. Thank you, KP. I'm super excited. So Ariel, um, you are currently the co-founder and CEO of Augment. For folks who are just tuning in, this is augment.org. Um, there's a lot I want to unpack in your story, you know, and I usually like to lay out like what we're going to talk about so someone can anticipate some of these elements. So we're going to cover the origin story of Augment. We're going to cover what drives you, your mission, um, you know, behind this company. And we're going to cover a handful of key inflection points from the beginning to today. And we're right now, as we record, this is January 2024. And I wanted to also learn about some of the difficult and hard barriers you had to break through because every founder has those that you overcame through, through Augment's journey. And also want to learn a little bit about your roadmap, what's coming down this year. I'm sure you have a lot planned. And of course, I want to learn about... This is a self-awareness question at the end, which is like, what pitfalls do you anticipate, you know, and how, what, what are your um, thoughts around it? You know, something that I do as a personal exercise, when I go into a new year, I always think about what are the five ways I can fail? Like Charlie Munger has a great line, like, show me the area where I'm going to die. I'm not going to go mm -hmm. there. I think so. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, so that's sort of what I have an agenda. So let's kick it off with the origin story. Tell me how Augment got started. Let's go. Th thanks for having me. I'm... I must tell you that I'm quite excited because I, I'm a strong advocate of building in public. Yes, and, and we we will touch upon that. But building in public has changed my life and brought me to to where I am today. So wow. uh, I'm 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 a big fan of the. That uh, is the that this, is the only quote mentality. I needed from this episode. So I think we can wrap here. <laughs> Just kidding. Let's go. <laughs> but no, thank you. That means a lot, and I know. I know I have a similar story to yours about building in public. So I would love to unpack that in, in a second. But yeah, let's, let's talk about it. So the origin story augments. Uh, so, so first, what it is, we're building an alternative MBA. So super mm -hmm. high quality business courses 
with the best founders, executives, CEOs uh, in the world. So we've built classes with Jimmy Wales, the founder of Wikipedia, Chris Barton, the founder of Shazam, Steve Chen, the founder of YouTube. We've got the founders of, of Waze, of Lime, of Eventbrite. We had the chief of staff to Jeff Bezos, the right hand of Eric Schmidt at Google. Yeah. Um, so it's really like building a premium online business education that's affordable, but also grounded into the realities of business from companies and products that we know of and we use in our everyday life. And so we have some sort of like emotional engagement towards. Uh, so this is this is augment uh, <clears throat> as you may hear I'm uh, building this company from Paris France uh, hence my French accent um, and so it's been it's, it's been an, an interesting story uh, to start this company from outside the US bring all those top US founders to Paris film classes with them uh, here and then of course uh, sending them back to, to, to the US uh, and the origin story was that I'm, I'm not a business person. I went to college and I studied history. I was passionate about reading, about writing, about history stuff. Uh, but then I realized that, okay, I learned the concept of startups and entrepreneurship and I really wanted to, to do it myself. But I knew nothing about business. <laughs> nothing. So I had to learn. The natural move for me was to go to business school. And so I got into HEC, which is the top one business school here in, in Paris. Uh, but at the same time, I consume content on the internet, podcasts like this one, YouTube videos, newsletters, etc. cetera. Uh, and I realized while I was at HEC, this top MBA, top business school in Europe, that I was learning so much more hmm. online by, my, by myself, just learning from experienced people who've done it in the past. Right. And so seeing this disconnect between traditional business education, expensive, super exclusive. You cannot unsee what, <laughs> right. what, what, what you, yeah. Wow. It's fascinating. You know, I think I, I can resonate with so much of what you just talked about, right? Which is the traditional classroom, you know, education now, business education is one angle, but there's so many adjacent, you know, mm. fields also that are um, missing out on, you know, tapping into actual practitioners knowledge and insights, right? Because you can tell the exactly. difference between someone who is academic versus someone who actually has real life, you know, battlefield experience when it comes to experiments in business, you know? So 100%. For instance, we have the founder of Lime on Augment yeah. and he gives a class on crisis management. Wow. So when they, when they put the first scooters on some US campuses, some kids got hurt Yeah. and it had to talk to the parents. And that's the example he takes about crisis management and mm. how you manage this, these situations. Right. Uh, we have the founder of Shazam teaching about how do you build frictionless products. Mm. And, the, and the, the Shazam app is arguably one of the most frictionless products yes. in, in this world. You've got like the founder of YouTube on how do you sell a company. He sold this company to for 1.7 billion to Google within the first 15 months. Um, right. And so it, it like bringing those amazing, incredible stories to applicable lessons that you can use in your, your everyday life. And this is what I love about the internet. And, and we just like curate that, package it into a very efficient, succinct lesson right. uh, that, that we deliver online. But the, the, what's available on the internet, it, it's insane. It's insane. Right. So I, I, you know, one question that comes to mind naturally is I'm trying to picture myself in your shoes when 
you had this sort of slow realization over the course of two years and you were like, okay, there has to be a better way. Something has to exist that is an alternative. And that's your catch, catchphrase, right? alternative MBA. And so what is the next immediate thing that you did? Like where, because I'm, I'm looking at the roster you have today, which is the founder Shazam and, and YouTube. And these are, I'm assuming they all must have come later, obviously. Like what was the first like yes uh, that you heard from? And like, what was the mind, thought process that was going on in your mind about pitching and getting these people on board? Um, so when, when we got the idea, of course, we're like two kids in France, <laughs> no connection whatsoever to Silicon Valley. Right. Uh, and so we did what, like the, the, the most simple and, and the only free thing that we could do was just cold email everyone. Wow. I cold emailed everyone in Silicon Valley. And one day, Chris Barton, who's the founder of Shazam, got back to us and is like, okay, this looks interesting. Let's have dinner. And we- And you were said, still in Paris. Still in Paris. And we said, of course, let's have dinner. And so we flew to San Francisco, sat down with him. We had dinner and, and the rest is history. And I, I was still on the phone with Chris today. He became a good friend. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah. So uh, he was the first, yes. He was the first, like- He was the first, yes. And once you get the first yes, suddenly you, you, you hear yes more and more often. So I'm Up curious. To the point where no one says no. Right. I mean, of course. I mean, I think what, what I'm curious is, first of all, congrats. That was amazing. That, that kind of high agency move where you just emailed without waiting for anyone's blessing or permission. What I want to understand is if you look back and reflect on that pitch that you wrote, the email copy, whatever, what was the appeal of that, you think, from the, from the like, objectively? Like, what, was, what do you think stood out for Chris? This is an interesting question. I think he was at the time of his life where it was a lot more about giving back yeah. and building a legacy than anything else. And that he needed some platforms. And, uh, and like so a, he, he like was- an in, Like an outlet. Yes, yeah. exactly. He was in, 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 in this phase. And I believe he was just curious and we had nothing to show. We had nothing to show. <laughs> But he was curious and, and having done an MBA himself, I believe he also resonated with resonated. the mission. Yeah. That's, you know, one, one theme that I'm hearing across um, so many uh, founder stories is the mission is so important. And yeah. we, we like to think that like generally business school also teaches you that mission is like some, you know, gibberish and some like jargon, you know, put some buzzwords, but it's actually, you know, it, it it's not true, obviously, I'm sure you know this, but like, but a great mission is a magnet that attracts yes. other, yes. you know, early believers. And sometimes I'm surprised that the early believers could be someone with such great success like Chris. I, I once did a program, I had a creative, crazy idea called Founders, Founders Hotline. So what I thought was, what if there was a call-in hotline where people could mm. call in? right? Like 1-800. In America, you have the toll-free number on the billboards, yeah. the 1-800-doctor yeah. or whatever. So I bought 1-800-founder and advertised it. And we had a website. And I said, I was going to host a online show uh, once a week and call people call in anonymous or they can declare their name and then say, hey, here's a pressing issue I'm struggling with. I need some advice. So I would try to give my advice or sometimes I bring guests and make them share advice on a, th a theme of marketing or whatever, right? I thought this was a cool idea. Again, this is such a dumb thing looking back, but I was like, oh, that's actually a really cool idea. And I bought the domain and everything. So I cold emailed, uh, just like you did, I cold emailed um, Alex Sohanian, Brene Brown, whoever I thought were 
like very empathetic people who want to give back. And of course, one of the, one of the many, like many of them ghosted me, obviously that's fine. One of them happened to be Gary V and he said, yes. And this, this was actually, I emailed his team who forwarded it to him and we had a connection there, but still he could have said no. Right. And he said, hell yes. And within like three months, he showed up as the finale guest. We had 25,000 people dialed in that day because, you know, Gary V has a massive audience. Wow. Um, but when I look back, I always think about like, it's not necessarily the, the fact that I was very successful or the fact that I had so many connections or anything, which I did not at the time. It was purely the fact that that idea was so bold and so mission driven that the, on the receiving end, somebody else felt it, you know, like, like Gary Vee, right? And so I'm thinking the same thing, like an average person on the street cannot get the founder of Shazam, but you had a powerful magnetic mission. You know, hundred and and there are so many lessons to to your story. A big one is you only need one yes. Yes, <laughs> true, true. One yes can change your life, and one yeah. yes can lead to many, many more yeah. yeses in the future. Yes. The second is that, and I believe this is true for both our stories, is best story win. Yes. And, and your story. Yes. It is. And your story is super catchy. Uh, and I, I can and ca I can go and have dinner with a friend and say, oh, JP told me about like a project of his. Uh, and it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's creative. It works, uh, right? So my litmus test is I do so many campaigns like this for um, founders and whatever, whatever. Whichever job I'm in, I'm always targeting serving founders. My litmus test is I talk to my wife. My wife is completely removed from the founder world. She's a teacher, school teacher, and she doesn't give a shit Same. about our, you know, Same. my life. And Same with my girlfriend. Life. Same thing? Oh, wow, that's so funny. So every once in a while when I pitch like, hey, here's something I'm working on. What do you think? Her eyes light up and she'll say, oh, that's a good idea. And that's a very yeah. rare compliment. I don't get that often from yeah. her. And so then that's when I know that that's a good idea. You should really put all, all, all force into that and proceed. So when I told founder hotline, she told me that is one of your good ideas, you know? So I was like, got it. This is good because what founders are really fighting against is yeah. indifference. Yes. Oh yes. It's not anti-reaction. It's just indifference. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Anti-reaction is good because <laughs> it, it's, it's at least a sort of reaction. Yeah. The, because, and, and most people don't even get the benefit to have an anti-reaction. Anti yeah they get indifference. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, Ariel, that you, we have to constantly remind ourselves with is how many, and it's very easy because, you know, sometimes in your career, you get busy with the minutiae, the trivial things and the OKRs and KPIs and the, you know, the, 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 the knickknacks of business life. But sometimes you forget that you need to make space for big ideas because without a big idea, like, you cannot drive people to do something you want. It's not the copywriting. It's like, I mean, they're all important, but they all flow from the fountain of a big, good, good idea, right? Like a great idea. My, my, I learned this the hard way where if you can't sell someone in one line, you can't sell them in, on a landing page, right? 100%. So a great idea is just one line. You can sell itself in a line. Now, we don't always get there. You need a lot of bad ideas to get to the great idea, but you know when you see it, you know? Um, hundred percent. And you know, when we started, uh, the easy path would have been to say, oh, we're building 
the best business courses in France. Right. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Uh, we would never have raised. Uh, we raised two million in, in, in pre-seed and then a total of six million. Never. Uh, we would never have done that for this idea. No. We went. Okay, let's build the best business courses in the world. Yeah. The best instructors, the best quality, the best brand, and a good idea or a big idea attracts capital, yeah. yes. talent, and yes. support. Yes. And so. And you know what I think is on that it, note. It's, it's counterintuitively easy, counterintuitively easier to do something big than do something small and work your way to the. I, I. This is a very, very non-obvious lesson that I learned too yeah. in my career, because in the early days. When I was very raw, when I was very young, I had big ideas, but I had no proof of work or no, you know, because I was completely un, 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 fearless, right? You know, when you're 21, you're like fearless. And then slowly, like I'm 35 now. So slowly reality kicks in and, you, you know, be realistic, be pragmatic and all that kicks in and look at your peers and they're all like playing the safe reality game, which is fine. So you forget the fact that just like you said, to really make a dent in the society or in the universe, like or, or among the top people you want, you cannot ship, you cannot tra transact yeah. with small ideas because they don't have the time and energy and all that, you know? Uh, and so you need big ideas. And it's, 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 it's very counterintuitive, like you said, because um, yeah. it requires risk. It looks dumb, right? Like when I pitched the founder's hotline, uh, it was like, it sounds, it sounds so dumb. Like, why would somebody want to call a radio thing when we have the internet? Like, you know, like, why would we? But my point was like, it's a different experience. You know, you just got to try it. So it's like, yeah. it's just, you know, same thing with building in public, back to what you were saying. Building in public on paper is the dumbest idea, you know, on paper, right? Because you're yeah. like, yeah. why do you want to be vulnerable? Why do you want to give away your secrets or like tell them what you're doing and all that? But we know human beings cannot put down a story. With building yeah. in public, we get to weave a story in real time and leave them on cliffhanger. <laughs> So they have to tune in next Monday morning or whenever we tweet, whenever we make the episode, what is the next thing? What happened? So I made a tweet um, December 14th about the fact that I'm, uh, I don't know if you've seen that when I was switching from uh, winding up my company, BIPF, the fellowship company, and then opening myself up for a next role, what I'm doing next. Okay. I wrote a full thesis on what happened 2023 last year, how many cohorts I served, uh, how much fun I had and all that revenue I made. I mean, not super detailed, but like rough figures. But I also learned that there were some fundamental flaws in that business model. And so this year and next year, whatever, I, I wanted to switch to working, you know, at a company, at a startup. And I got like 25 people thanking me and saying like, congrats, man, like so brave. So I'm like, I don't think I did anything brave because by now I've been doing building in public for four years that I just did what I thought was the right move. But what, what happened there is that that became a magnet for luck. So I got yes. like so many DMs from founders. And I haven't announced this yet. This is the first time I'm talking about it. I got a CMO of a mm. billion dollar company DM me from that thread. Wow. And I haven't announced it, so I can't share this yet, but I'm joining that company. Wow. It, and it uh... took me 40 minutes to write a thread. You know? And so there's so many people waiting for what's next, what's going on, what's going on. I haven't shared what's going on yet because I want to sign the contract and like, you know. Wow. Wow. But the, the, you know, so that is the power of building in public. And you know this, I've seen it. And so if you don't put yourself out there like that, now some people, like I'm sure 2% of them, maybe they thought, oh, KP is too like thirsty or 
too public or too, I don't know, I don't know what they may think, but I'm just saying it is risky. It requires some risk and vulnerability to open up, but I, I, I can't think of anything better to do, you know? A hundred percent. And actually, that's how I got my first job and that's how I raised money. Really? Yeah. Tell me more. Tell us more about that. Actually, I'm curious. Yeah. My last year at ATC, the business school, uh, to pass the the, the, the the MBA, you need to write big paper. Okay. Uh, and I was like, there is no point. No one is going to read that ever. Maybe my uh, professor will skim through it for like five minutes, but that's it. So I just published it. I, I turned that into a series of blog posts uh, on the creator economy and media businesses. And I just published that online, nice. which got me in touch with the fund, founders of JellySmack, a multi-billion dollar company. They were like, this is interesting. Come work with us, which I did. That's I, your, oh, uh, that, oh yeah, that's a, I saw that on LinkedIn. You were yeah, running a creator and, and program so, for them. Exactly. So I was working at, at, at uh, JellySmack. Uh, it's like big creator economy company. So they go to YouTube stars. And they bring their content to other platforms. So mainly Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok. And I got the opportunity from these blog posts to build the celebrity business for Jealous Man. Wow. So going to athletes and chefs and comedians and TV stars um, and, and offering the Jealous Max products and services. That's how I learned how to reach out and, and, and connect with pretty much mm. anyone. That led to Augment later on. But... Had I not published this piece, I, I would never have gotten this job. Yeah, yeah. You know? uh, the also the other thing is even the the funding announcements that you publish, and I think one of the recent ones, you made a thread about it. And in the thread, of course, there was the announcement, there was a talk about the, the funding round and the raise. But to be honest, that was only ten percent interesting to anybody like me, because that's like you know, of course, it's you got the funding, it's sure. The ninety percent that was interesting was your beliefs around why augment should exist why what do you believe and you know and that is a authentic unique belief that you have right so that triggered me to like because i think the same way of course that's how, that's why i was at on deck that's why i'm serving founders that's why like i believe in cohorts and so on. like this is obvious that's why i you know what ariel i would love to do a podcast episode on you and here we are two months later yes right exactly and who Again. knows who's listening to this when it goes live 100 percent uh you know, I, I, I made so many friends on the internet by just being myself and sharing some stuff. Yeah. Uh, some, some friends I went skiing with and, 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 and you know, we became really, really good friends. I, I, would, I, I was at a friend's wedding whom I met on Twitter uh, last summer. Wow. But just because there were so few people being out there and, and sharing yeah. genuinely. And that's not, the key part. That's the key part, right? That's, genuinely that's the key part, of course. Of course, uh, it's very easy to to talk like a brand and to talk like a, a, a multi-billion-dollar company, but it's that you're not going to connect with with anyone. Right. Um, yeah, it's the the genuinely part that that's of course super important. You know, so one other actor that I always top of mind for me is I was reading this biography Two Dog by Phil Knight, right? Nike's founder. Yeah, I I have it. Just you have it? it. Yeah. It's on my nightstand yeah. in my bedroom and I'm reading like, you know, I'm like underlining and oh my God, it's one of my favorite books. One of the things what he talks about is that he, he says he wishes he documented, I'm sure you, you know, if you remember, he wishes he documented more of the first five, six, seven year, years journey, 
right? Because he completely forgot about all the decisions they took, all the ups and downs and highs and lows. After they go to IPO, of course, then you have like a staff and you have like people document. And he always says, like, I just wish I documented the first 10 years of the company. And I think that's one of the things that I love about building in public is that I have a record of everything. You know, I mean, not like I love it, not everything, but like the big inflection points. Right. I, I never I never thought of that this way. But think about it. Like, and so people are always afraid, like, what if that doesn't work and you have to be embarrassed about that thing? I'm like, OK, fine. So what? But what if it works? Right. hundred percent. Yeah, so the upside is so much higher than the downside. Right. And, and, and what if making and what if building it in public makes it work? Yeah. Exactly. And so it's, I think it's, 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 it's again, like we, we know this in theory, we can get it. I think it's just a, like a very, very few people, I feel like really embody this, you know, because just you have to have a certain kind of success with it. Like the way you had it with Shazam's founder, like you have to see it for yourself to believe like, oh, you know what? This works. Uh, as long as you're authentic, this works. And so once yeah, I did that I, email, I was like, I can email anybody on the human, on the on the planet. Like you, you 100%. have the You feel like I can, as long as it's valuable to them, you can email anybody on the planet. You know, some uh, one day we brought the building public mantra uh, very very far because so we do super heavy production. There are thirty people on set. Yeah, the videos that we produce are super high quality. Right, um, and so there was this investor that I really, I really wanted on my cap table. Uh, and so I just brought him on set. Nice. So that's, that's like next level building. In yeah, he's you bring the... someone. Yes. To, uh, just because you want this person to see you in action yeah. and, 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 and that convinced uh, this angel investor to, 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 to invest in the company because, oh, actually what you do by, by building in public, you tell people, oh, this is real. This is legit look at the progress uh, one step further is like building in public physically having this person watching you build the product or whatever uh so that was that was very fun and of course production and, and filming sessions are super super They're always fun, fun so. i was gonna ask you about that actually how did you like how did that come about like how did you make like the first ever course creation happen so two years ago i knew nothing about production yeah nothing wow uh, and because you know it's very apparent like it seems like you didn't go to film school or anything right you went to oh no no school. no no uh, I, 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 I really i knew nothing about that uh turns out it's uh it's not that hard because yeah. you don't need to do it yourself you can just pay people to do it uh and so that's what we did i interviewed uh tens of production companies uh some of them are like were like too big and too expensive and they don't even want to talk to you. Some of the ones you're just like one random guy saying, yeah, I can, I can do it for super cheap and you don't want that either. Uh, so you had to find the right balance, mm. uh, which I believe we did because we did 12 filming sessions with the same production company. We've been super happy with them. Uh, I believe that the, the only thing that we did right was just to take our time and mm. to talk to a lot of different uh potential partners mm -hmm. and once you've got the the the, the good one uh, just like you we, now we know exactly how to work together i, I learned all the technical terms uh, so i know a bit more about what's going on and and i know how a, a filming day is supposed to, to 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 take place but yeah you just need to find the right people 
serious uh, guys and they 100% so, deliver. What I love about the way you operate so far from what I'm hearing, uh, Ariel, is that there's a couple of times where you said, I knew nothing. And then you followed up by saying, I figured it out. I love that energy. I love that <laughs> mindset of, oh, I just knew nothing. Because a lot of people would view that as a blocker. And I, th- I feel like you, you just like accept it and you're like, okay, I don't know anything here. Let me start here and then we'll go figure it out on the way, right? That's a- it's interesting. And, and maybe like something that's, that's been quite liberating, liberating for me is, I know today it's not very fashionable to say that you, you need to raise money and, 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 and it's, it's, it, it's yeah, uh, bootstrapping is more popular these days. Right. But something like changed in my mind once I raised money for the first time mm. is I realized, oh, actually, my job is to is not to actually do the thing, is to collect the money from people who have money and pay other people to do right. whatever I'm supposed to do. Right. And that changed a lot of mm. things for me, even pers- personally, mm. in the sense that, oh, I like the the range of possibilities is, is, is much broader because yeah. it's not it's not limited to what I know or what my friends know. Mm. It's, oh, actually, I can do basically anything. I just need to tell people I need money to do that, mm. collect the money, and then pay other people to do what I, do what I want them to do. Um, and so... I it know, it, it again goes of... back to story. It again goes yeah. back to like the, the power of a story because you're telling a story to one group, which is the investor group, and then you're taking, you know, you're collecting the resource of money in that sense. And then you're then telling the story of, hey, what do we yeah. want to achieve to your production team? Right. So it's just the story again and again. What was surprising about fundraising for you? Because you, you're a first time founder, correct? Or have you done? Yeah. Okay. So what were a, a couple counterintuitive lessons about fundraising and just, you know, talking to investors? So many counterintuitive <laughs> lessons. Oh, really? uh, yeah, yeah. Some like very tactical ones, like don't do a business plan. Mm. Uh, I believe like there is a negative correlation between having a business plan and raising a pre-seed round. Mm. Um, I was quite lucky in the sense that I did a six-month internship in VC. Mm. And so I learned so much. And knowing the terms and just... The, 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 the jargon and, right. and and being able to understand when you go on a on a on the fund's website what's their investment strategy how do they stand in terms of like deployment period how much money they have left what's their network and understanding all that basically reading the, the mind of someone who's uh, in front of you just because you know exactly how the economics inventory works because you've worked in ventures in the, right. in the past that's been like game changing because you know exactly how to focus in terms of like, okay, this person, like we fit 100% into their fund strategy. We know exactly that, like that we would be a right fit versus other funds. Like it's not even worth talking to them. Right. For many different reasons. Right. I think so it's like in to... any, in any negotiation, it's just like understanding the other's viewpoint, yeah. uh, which may be a bit obscure when you're a founder, but really studying the, economics of venture funds yeah. and how they plan to generate returns mm-hmm. and what's what's like a great return for one fund maybe it may be different for, for, for another one and just understanding that and then calibrating your pitch to the investor super important right with 
with augment what do you see in the long term like are you envisioning a 10 year plan in your head or not a plan like a business plan like with the with the q1 q2 q3 q4 but like do you see a massive company could be formed from here so the the 100 year plan uh, <laughs> i love that it's not just 10 years 100 years i love that uh, is to build the best business courses in the world mm. uh and and so the 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 mission is 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 so it's so simple uh but you know like and i i love just to wake up every day and and we picked one thing for us it's like business courses and our mission is just the best in the world just this we do mm. one thing really 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 good mm. um and 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 i i believe i want to be the 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 next hbs uh, a super high quality brand of online online business programs mm. grounded into the realities of business uh, by the people who've done it in the past that's that's augment that, that's the vision and that's i don't know this for me it's like the the most exciting business i could ever uh, dreamed of building mm. and your current icp is someone who is on the fence of joining a traditional mba program or someone who may have joined it but they want to augment like their the, learning, the, learning journey the main icp at the moment is really uh doing this zero to one for people who know nothing about business mm. and we bring them from i know nothing like i was myself <laughs> history student i know nothing about business to <laughs> i've got the foundations of business strategy, entrepreneurship, finance, leadership, mm. management, strategy, sales, accounting, etc. Mm. So we do this zero to one. If you're like super experienced, don't do it, man. Go do a traditional MBA or, or do a, a very specific uh, online marketing program or whatever. So it's, and it's, it's been fascinating to, to meet with all the students we have. They come from so many different backgrounds. We get like a lot of doctors, designers, wow. data engineers, scientists, people who know nothing about business uh, and we're the zero to one, right. making those com seemingly complex topics easy to digest, mm -hmm. very, very like super tangible because based on real products and services that they use and they love. Right. So when, when you started this, was, were there other competitors or players in the space? Like I'm, what comes to mind is masterclass because that's their course product, yeah. right? Um, but that's a course product. And then obviously from a cohort point of view, there was Reforge. This is two, three years ago. And then there was OnDeck, which was not necessarily a structured MBA program, but they were more so like community, you know, around a particular fellowship or a particular niche. So when you entered the market, what was your assessment of these players? I love them. Hmm. And they're like a big source of inspiration. Would I love masterclass. Them? Do like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love masterclass. I, 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 I know the founders. Uh, I, I, I watch a lot of their of their classes. Uh, I like Reforge, even though it's a bit like it's product oriented, and I'm, yeah. I'm not really a product person, and yeah. so I, I, I resonate a bit less with the content just because of my position and taste. Uh, but. Uh, I love those companies. I believe that the the biggest competitor 
in ed tech is the status quo is the is is people not learning mm. uh and so i'm super happy and i and i root for the for their success uh and and i i really want people to have as many learning high quality learning opportunities as possible right. uh and, and so so i we're fighting for the same cause right i love that you're viewing this as a you know non-zero sum game right a positive sum and, and you know why I, I i i even called email uh brian Balfour, the, the founder of reforge one week or two weeks ago uh telling like congrats you're you're doing super great i love what you do uh we're doing this uh i'm sure we can le- le- learn a lot from one another uh but and and that's it you know uh wish you the best uh and and how do you, so you know what's fascinating? Like seven, eight years ago, I heard the phrase, I think it was some part of some, someone from Bezos, you know, stories around like, don't focus on the competitor, you know, focus on customer. Yeah. And I was reading his book, uh, Invent and Wonder, where Amazon, like he was so maniacal. Like, I don't think I thought, I didn't expect that much intensity in terms of customer, right? Like, I know, I mean, I care about customers. Like, you seem like you care about, but he was actually blinded, like, like you know, and their caption, the, the the wording they use, the choice of words they use is very telling about Earth's most customer obsessed company, mm. right? And, mm. and I, that's I, a statement. We're talking about like a big idea. That's 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 a statement, right? I'm idea. like, I I took the screenshot and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna save this in a document where I, when I start my company, that should be one of the foundational values because, like, think about that. Earth's Earth's most customer obsessed company is a value that we all can share. It's not a zero something, like only Amazon doesn't have trademark on that, you know, care. But it's such a great philosophy because every time I would listen to some of the interviews, every time somebody brings up iPad, it was a Kindle, he would always talk about, I love iPad. I wish all the best for iPad. Because iPad's like 800 times bigger market size as opposed, as opposed to Kindle at the time. But he would say, you don't understand my audience, Jeff Bezos was saying. My audience is different. They want to hold something in their hand late at night with no special lights and like, you know, apps and games and shit and just tap, tap, tap and black and white read. And so my audience want to continue the love for reading. So the way I felt that he was obsessed about understanding that customer base ICP, he almost didn't care about, I mean, like he almost didn't, uh, not care, but like he didn't like worry about the other players who were doing other things. And I thought in a market like yours, and there's so many markets, I talked to Beehive co-founder, uh, co-founder CEO, where you know, there's Beehive, there's Substack, there's um, ConvertKit. Like some of these markets have multiple players. So like you have to have that kind of maniacal, relentless focus on the customer. Otherwise, your attention can get just drifted away into like what competitors are doing. Let's play catch up, you know? Any entrepreneur would tell you that it's so easy to go on someone else's website and say, oh, this is such a good idea. This is why they're doing so great and try to copy and implement that into your product. It never works. Works, yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's never the, the right way to, to have an idea and it's, and, and, and we've done it a few times and, and always we realize of actually maybe they did a mistake or maybe it's just like, uh, the tip of the iceberg and we don't know exactly why, why they do it this way. And we are in a different business and we've got a different ICP and brand and persona and, and, and go to market or whatever. So a hundred percent. Yeah. I also want to share something that came to mind, Ariel, which is I think you'll appreciate as a founder in the same situation. 
I mean, I love these founder stories, man. As you can tell already, I'm a huge nut about early stories of great founders because I feel like that's where the magic is, right? Um, so this is like, I took notes on this the other day. I was listening uh, to a podcast called Founders by David Sendra. Love it. Love it, right? Like, oh, shout out, David. Such love it. Guy. In one of the episodes where he's talking about, of course, the founding of uh, story of Amazon, what I loved there was the year Amazon was founded was 1994. Two or three years into the game, they were still like figuring out their MVP and figuring out their, you know, and it was so niche that it was only, they were only selling books online, right? It was just books, which is crazy to think about. Such discipline with IC, like with the, with the niche, just books, nothing else. But his pitch to investors was, we're going to build the everything store. So from day one, he knew we're going to build, you're going to buy whatever you want. You can buy boats today on Amazon. You can buy whatever. But his focus, maniacal focus, again, was just on books and getting that right. Like you said, like highest world-class experience on books, right? I took notes on this because I, I Googled to see how big Barnes & Noble was. And Barnes & Noble in America is the retail physical store, yeah, yeah, yeah. That you, as you may have heard. And they were $2 billion in revenue, $2 billion, and they had 20,000 employees at the time. That is when... Bezos decides I'm going to go against them. How much balls and guts should you have to think that is the biggest competitor in the area, in the space? I'm going to go after them. And of course, they scoff at him. They laugh at him because they're like, they're a lily put, like a minnow compared to how big we are with 20,000 employees. But he, would, he, he, would, he didn't care, obviously. He was betting on the internet. And so they come join the party three years into the game. They have a dot-com website also. But be, they're not as focused as he is in the internet store they are still doing retail and all that so eventually they lose out and the ceo invites him to buy him buy amazon and he laughs and he says no you can't buy us of course not i'm not gonna sell amazon to you and the guy threatens him by saying no we're gonna uh, we're gonna do like video games dvds other things on our dot com and, and and amazon is like i don't care you know I, i'm gonna do it too <laughs> i'm gonna do it too so I thought that was such a like huge reminder because we always sometimes, especially founders that I talk to, sometimes they they get threatened by oh there's another big player in the game, right? Like oh whale, you know, big whale in the game, and you're a small fish. That is the biggest freaking whale you can imagine. Two billion dollars in revenue, not valuation, revenue, and then twenty thousand employees, and this guy thinks we can do something here. And what also wrote, I took a note of this uh, something for me for my own inspiration. From the founding day to Amazon becoming a trillion dollar company, it was 24 years. In 24 years, uh, a balding guy in New York and you know, eventually moves to Seattle creates a trillion dollar company out of thin air. How crazy is that? Like, dude, like think about history of mankind, how long it took for the first trillion dollar company to be created. Thousands of years. And within 24 years, this guy creates the next one. Of course, he's writing the... Uh, the internet wave but a note to myself i took from that episode was what is the next wave kp and mm -hmm. what is your 25 year story i took my note for that i'm like because that's message right and of course even if you don't create a trillion dollar company why can't we settle for a hundred billion dollar company you know what i mean so when you were telling me the hundred year story i was like yeah that's the horizon you got to think about we can't play the q1 q2 game no so anyway. love that I feel like we could go for like forever on, you know, a chatting. I, the, also, it's also a testament to me about what are the kind of founders who get inspired by stories like that versus who found it, who find it to be, who find so many flaws in like some Amazon or some Apple or something. I'm like, that is usually a testament of like who really gets the point there, right? 
So yeah, I, I, I cannot be more passionate about these type of stories. Uh, I built an entire business based on these stories. Exactly. So obviously, uh, and we, uh, I, I had like so many great anecdotes from Anne Hayat. She Who's teaches that? on Anne Hayat, and she she teaches on Augment, and she's been. Jeff Bezos' right hand for the wow. first four years at Amazon. And then she became the first ever chief of staff at Google wow. uh, for another 10 years, something like that. And she tells some amazing stories from mm. the early days of both Google and, and, and Amazon. And I, I, I remember the first time we met, uh, I was like to prepare the course. Uh, there was... Uh, having a, co a coffee in front of the sea and she was like telling all the stories and I was with my notebook writing them down uh, and I felt so energized and with this feeling that I I, I had like a, a first-hand witness of like the greatest man in history and, yeah. and the early days of like the, the birth of the, the one of the greatest companies of all time. Juggernaut, right? One of the biggest, yeah. Okay, so let, let's get into, uh, in lieu of time, I'm trying to make sure that we cover a couple of good points. Let's get into some of the difficult barriers that you had to overcome in, in the journey. Interestingly enough, uh, I've, I've, I've been willing to be an entrepreneur for five, six, seven years before I actually uh, started Augment. And I believe that the, the most challenging period was before. Mm. Now, I, of course, I have a lot of challenges, but those are like the expected ones, and and you know, I'm 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 ready for them, and I embrace. But when I look back at my younger self, and like three, four years ago, I was this kid that I I wanted to build a company. I was. Uh, uh, my mind was like sparkling with ideas, but I could not focus. Mm. I did not really fall in love with one specifically. I didn't know also how to approach building startup. I didn't know what's like the what was the first step. Uh, and this period of time where you're just like exploring, uh, it seems like a lifetime. Yeah, you have no. You you, you 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 have no idea whether it would end or not mm -hmm. and 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 whether the outcome would be positive or not mm -hmm. uh, and i i believe that at that time I, I i was completely lost working but not enjoying it uh and and feeling that i was missing on the key thing and for me it was like entrepreneurship uh and I, I had too many ideas i could not focus i didn't know what exactly i wanted to do uh so that was like a very, very challenging time. What's your advice for someone who is like there today in that in those shoes right now? Uh, learn as much as you can. Uh, and this is also why I'm building Augment, but uh, study business. Mm. Really. Uh, because I believe that uh, my feeling of uh, just not moving forward was because I did not clearly understand what's the right first step, what's the second next step, uh, and that had I had a better business education or, or listened to more podcasts like this one, okay, I would have had a clearer picture of 
the entrepreneurial journey mm. and that would have been that that would have unlocked mm. entrepreneurship slightly earlier i believe for me i think a lot of the times it's just like hearing hearing founders who are five, six, seven, eight steps ahead of us, um, even like mention what they went through, right? The soul searching yeah. and this exploration, that reassurance itself is so soothing. And that's well, part of the journey. Uh, that's part and, of the journey. And of course, uh, but, but for me, it's, it's the, mo the, the most painful part because now I've got a lot of challenges, but I'm not, I know I'm on track and I know, I know those challenges are part of the journey. Yeah. Whereas in the past, those challenges were, you expect the journey to start, but it never starts. And so right. you're in this, in, in like this, this feeling of despair and yeah, you, 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 so, you don't know whether it's going to end. I was going to ask you this, uh, which is how did you navigate? Like, how did you manage to arrive at one idea? Because you were talking about potentially four five, six, seven ideas in your head. How did you get rid of all of them and just like get the clear focus on Augment? Hundreds of ideas. <laughs> so four is Honestly. a global number. Okay. Honestly. Uh, um, yeah. And, and every now and then I, I'm on my computer and I open a file and it's a random pitch deck for an, an obscure idea. I completely forgot that I did like five, six years ago. And I was like, wow, so many, so many different ideas. But I believe I believe that at the end they were all I don't know circling around the same like media businesses education and so I believe that they they gravitated towards augment, augment uh, yeah. and I had to combine something that was like visually interesting uh, and and design is very important for us mm. uh, uh, teaching about business because that's part of my journey and 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 and, and what I want to do. Uh, the learn from the best, the celebrity parts uh, mm. connected to my 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 past job, uh, and so I I don't know I feel I I I I gravitated towards this idea and then it became kind of clear at some point, but I I didn't have this big aha moment. Uh, the, oh, I should build this, and actually I had so many aha moments on very bad ideas uh, that I I I I I don't believe in them anymore. Interesting. That is a counterintuitive insight also, right? I, I think so. I think Society so. expects like some kind of a light bulb moment, like, whoa, you know, this is a... Yeah. Um, the, the, the best ideas are, I don't know, they, 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 they come from within and yes. build conviction over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. and, and then they become obvious. Yes. Uh, and it seems that, that like they've always been there. You build this conviction over time. But yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to build like a premium education platform for kids. Oh no, actually, I'm not really passionate about kids. So what that's about? And so you, you see like you're playing around with many different aspects. And then, oh, actually, all the pieces fit together and makes all sense. You know, I, one of the things that David Sender on the Founders Podcast talks about is that how companies are basically extensions of founders, you know, yes. personality. I, I, right? like, 100%. And I feel like the way you described it made me seem like you're kind of like looking in the mirror and assembling the pieces of the puzzle that becomes an image of you ultimately. And then that becomes the company, right? And then over yes. to the world. I, I believe that for some people, entrepreneurship is, is a creative act. Yeah. Like painting or like writing yeah. something. And, and Chris from Shazam actually, 
uh, told me that one day that it's 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 putting yourself out there and building something but and some people create music and some people create companies but it's 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 comes from the same impulse yeah so one last question which is you know what are some pitfalls and traps that you foresee as of now and that you would love to avoid and be careful about as you navigate the journey it's interesting it's now like the, the company is, is 12 people we we raised a little over 6 million uh, usd we've got more than 600 students from 20 plus countries it it, it all happened super super fast uh wow. like last year exactly at this time it was only roy and myself my co-founder and myself wow now we've got a team and i've never managed and built a team and I, my role within the company is changing a lot. I'm learning uh, a lot about, okay, look, what it takes to bring a company from 10 to 100 people. Mm. Uh, and it's a totally different challenge. Um, and I believe I'm, 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 I was a terrible, terrible manager. I had no background. <laughs> no, I believe I'm only terrible. <laughs> uh, so it's, 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 it's improved a bit, but, but, but clearly building a team and, 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 and just like, uh, having people, uh, working hard towards the submission, et cetera, this it's, it's hard, it's tough and so many challenges and, and new things that I, I, I knew literally nothing about one year ago. Funny enough, last week we gave like the, the beginning of year presentation with the entire team and. I reflected on it and I was like, okay, one year ago, I would have been totally, I knew literally nothing about this presentation. I, I wouldn't be able to believe that <laughs> I was, I, I would deliver this speech and this presentation because uh, I knew nothing about the topics I, 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 I talked about. And so crazy, well, like how much you can learn in a year. Rapid, uh, rapid learning. Yeah. And, 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 and it's scary at the same time because you, you say, oh, uh, I knew literally nothing last year i'm sure that i will feel exactly the same next year so you uh, it feels good and bad at the same time you, you i think it's just the fastest way to i mean a company forces you to level up so quickly right yeah you're getting your own version of the mba even as a as a manager, oh yeah it's, it's super meta so i'm building an mba and 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 but that's also an mba and so right. i i yeah it's it's it, it's very meta but i love it i'm so, so happy for your journey so far. And it brings me so much joy because your story is so many, so many synergistical elements that we both share, you know, and fundamentally it's how we operate 100%. as founders. Also, funny enough, we, we see the world and the future in a similar way, right? Um, we talked about uh, earlier before the recording started, we talked about how, like I came from uh, a small town in India and you were in Paris. And in the future, I want my kids, hopefully your kids, not, doesn't matter where they, the zip code, you know, where they were born or where they were raised. Like, I feel like greatness should not be concentrated in any neighborhood, right? Greatness should be democratic. It should be, you know, democratized across the world. And the best channel we have is the internet. And so what you guys are building is a curated layer on top of that, right? Which is the best, learn from the best and that kind of thing. So really rooting for it. I'm a big believer in that, as you can tell by now. And very happy and you know excited for where you go next it was a pleasure it was so so fun we have this like the same reference we listen to the same thing so it was so fun to meet you and i wish you the best thank you thank you man i appreciate it
And with that, it's a wrap. I'll, I'll add all your links and augment, of course, links on the show notes and hope to see you in the future episode again. Thank you. Thank you, Katie.